An untitled poem by our very own Zoheb. Uproot me. Tug, sir. Pink fingers in my filthy curls. Drag me like a dog. So sorry, sir, for the trouble. My dirt feet are dug deep, but muddy soil gives easy. I'll wash the dirt of my toes and put on these boots. Thanks, sir. Very stylish. Amaji still in the wood. Abba and Didi make fine kindling. Dead's dead, sir says. And he chops them and clamps them in steel. Wow! Sir sends me down south, riding a terrain over Dadavaya's body, where Sir knows there's a job for me. Thanks, Sir. city, where the sun is a mirror and the moon a shadow, where dancers cavort in forbidden operas, making love to forgetting and flame, where the wealthy play at war with silver swords and silken sashes, where the people mine the dead heart of a burning star for cannonballs and pipework, and where a thousand secrets hide in a forest of paper and ink. Here the five key bearers reside, the five who know the secrets of the broken gates of death. Five. Five only. There is no sixth spire, forlorn and forgotten in the desert. There is no one who looks to the displaced, the poor and destitute and landless, whose ancestry has been stripped from them by foreign looms and foreign sparkcraft, and no one has ever heard of the House of Endings. But this is their story. Their roots pulled up and burned, they stand in filth up to their necks, and that is precisely why they must keep their heads ever high. Welcome to Uduasha, immigrant. May it fear the name of the house you will build. Welcome to Desperate Tune, an actual play podcast about characters with their identities in peril, played by an international cast devoted to fiction-first gaming, collaborative world-building, and complex character drama. Welcome back, everyone, to Desperate Tune, and uh, we are uh, we are ready for a continuation of uh, of last episode's score. Uh, I am your host, Prince, and uh, with me are the usual suspects, starting with Clo. Uh, Hello. And uh, there's also Emma. Yes, that's me. Uh huh. And three. Buongiorno. And Adiat. That's me. Well done, everybody. We got through it. <laughs> we can say hello. Very yes. Good. And we know our names. Yes. Indeed. <laughs> We're on hello now. Um, Wait, where is the idea for normal hellos? Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, so. Uh, on our last episode, we were in the middle of a heist concerning some very attractive papers that everyone wants, and they are currently in a vest somewhere, I think. 
Yes. They're in Bedrohi's jacket. Yes. No, 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 they are not. Oh, no, no, they're they in, are the in the vault. They're in the vault. Oh, yes, they're the vault. They're they are actually in the vault. Yeah. <laughs> let Let me summarize because I'm very mad at this. Out in character, not out of character. Out of character, <laughs> yes. I think it's very funny. Yes. In character, Bidra is like, okay, here's the papers. We're going to entice them to attack us to get the papers, and we're going to be on this roof waiting to give them, waiting to ambush them. And then Said is like, why do you have the papers with you? You goddamn idiot! Put them inside the vault, and then uh -huh. we put it inside the vault. And then they attacked the lair while we were on the roof. And Saida's like, see, they weren't going to attack here anyway. Uh-huh. Yes. And, and instead of the papers being on me, they're inside the vault. Yes. Mm. Yes. yes. So uh, what these papers actually are is it, it's, it's a certificate that proves that your family is an important family, basically. It's a certificate that proves that Udwasha recognizes your family as being legitimate and existing. So it's not like it's a land deed, but it is kind of a big deal because if you have it and you get it signed and stamped, then you're officially recognized as a house, official house and not just some peasants. Oh. Lots of people obviously want their hands on this because it's sort of like a, like a blank check slash passport thing. And uh, among these people is Omid. I don't think you found out why precisely Omid is after this. No. We or haven't. how he knows about it. But Omid is uh, Shere Katam's uh, old rival. He was a mercenary in the wars around Kethris. And now he's here with his crew. And part of his plan was to kidnap Al-Qadr Ankatam, the crew's favorite contact and resident blabbermouth. And this sort of worked for him. He had the gentleman on a tied up with a rope until the crew stormed in, kicked down his thug, and cornered him. Mm. And there's now a tense standoff going on inside the crew's lair, with Omid facing down basically the crew and Al-Qadr at the same time. So things would be going rather well, if not for the fact that Bidruhi's rival Jackal also turned up outside, having very little idea of what is going on, and uh, decided to basically kidnap someone for ransom. Uh, attempted to kidnap Bidruhi, but Bidruhi got away. Hmm. And uh, has now turned their attention on Saida instead, Jackal and her crew. There are two additional wrinkles. One of them is that Saida has uh, summoned a small dust devil that is now in love with her, which has now been dismissed, I believe. You lost control of it. but Yes, it has, gone, it has gone away to be elsewhere. Mm -hmm. But it, it remains a problem. And uh, the other slight wrinkle is that while Uduasha doesn't have a police force as such, it has the Pursan, who are a group of peacekeeping troops recruited by the, by the noble houses to sort of maintain law and order. And they are obviously attracted by what's been going on, in part because there has been a gunshot. Mm. And that gunshot was not by anyone actually involved in the conflict. That was Jackal just basically trying to screw with you. I, I, I think Jackal succeeded even in that... Firing the gun successfully does screw with us. Whatever happens mm -hmm. next, right? Yeah. And so that's where we are. Have I missed anything? Mm, I don't think so. But I think we also don't know what al plan with this paper was. Uh, or at least I don't rem no. remember no. what it was. No. What exactly he was intending to do with the papers is also a little bit unclear. Uh, even I have forgotten that, but... It's okay. You can you you can come up with the reason on on the spot. I believe in you. 
Yes. If I remember correctly, it was something about how um, he was going to get it to someone and it was going to solve all our problems. Yes, that was basically his plan. Yeah. It, it, you probably shouldn't trust his plan entirely, but he has one. <laughs> or he had one mm. before this happened. Yes. Uh, and so, yeah, you basically don't really know the stories of these documents at all. You know that they're very important. And last session, uh, Mr. Rohini got informed of the document's existence. Yes. And uh, treated this as a very big deal. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's see if the documents survive. That is where we are. But currently, they are held in your vault. And uh, I think a logical place to begin the action is actually like. We have this whole situation with Saida being kidnapped outside, or possibly. Mm-hmm. But I think it's interesting to start with Omid. So his henchman is on the floor, having had his feet knocked out from under him. Yes. Uh, and he has a drawn weapon, but you know he is outnumbered, and he realizes this. And his uh, his henchman is was just a, a guy nicknamed Necktie. Who I don't think his legs were broken or anything, but I mean he did get kicked pretty hard in his legs, so he is—he's uh, not on his feet yet. Mm. Wasn't it also that I had Necktie hostage at this point? Oh yes, you had taken him hostage. Yes, that's the thing. Yes, so Moss is holding him at knife point. As you do. Yes, as you do indeed. Well, Omid uh, looks at the three of you like inside your lair. And we haven't seen that much of how your lair looks like. I think now might be a good time to describe it. Even with all the chaos, a broken window, a bunch of kicked over furniture. I think now is a good time to just describe the scene that we find ourselves in. So Omid is standing in the lair. And let's all uh, add a little detail about it. It's an old smithy that you have converted into like a place to convene. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, first question is to... To you as a group, I guess, how much do you actually hang out in here and how much are you in Moonlit's boarding house, which is where you actually live, most of you? Like, do we see signs of this being uh, lived in? I think Saida doesn't like it here, but she knows that, like, uh, an important way to, like, be professional and set something up is to be here a lot. So I think she's got, like, a little, like, desk or something, some kind of office. Uh, right. So the vibe is more of an office than a, yeah, yeah, yeah. a home. Yeah, she doesn't yeah. like it. I mean, it's kind of shitty. She deserves better. Mm-hmm. Everybody deserves better to some extent, right? I, I also feel like this being an old smithy, there's probably like the, the ground, the floor is just like packed earth and maybe there's like a corner that is cement or concrete or something. It's It's pretty... It's pretty utilitarian because that's what it was made for. Um, yeah. But there are probably some rugs or something, like some attempt has been made to make it more like a house and less yeah. like a smithy. Uh-huh. I will say yeah. probably that we've just dragged in whatever furniture we could find. And so there's just a mishmash of like just any old thing like stuff like just a chair right. stuffed in the corner uh, and I, I don't think there was any like coordination like you know it was like oh yep. okay I, ne- I need a place to sit so you just go around the back you just grab something and you put it there yeah so you have the obligatory moldy old sofa that yeah. all of all of these places tend to accrue yep. yeah moldy old sofa folding uh-huh. chair yep we, yeah. we probably don't have a potted plant because you know 
plants yeah. are extremely rare. But if they were less rare, then we would certainly have like one of those potted plants you just drag in for one day for when visitors come to make the place look more <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> look nicer. Excellent. Yes. I mean, you you so, know what you can find instead of a potted plant mm -hmm. in, uh -huh. in the Shattered Isles? You can get petrified wood carved to look like a real living plant. Ah, yes. yes. Oh, I hate that. So it's a petrified wood tree in a corner. Mm. Excellent. And uh, yeah, what of use your lair actually contains is the vault and a bunch of weapons. So yes. <laughs> I, I guess that there are weapons lying about in here or hanging and when, about. And when we say weapons, we basically mean random butchers, cleavers, and like farming yeah. sides and mm -hmm. hammers for the most part. Are they like hanging from the rafters? Just like random knives and stuff. Maybe on the wall? Yeah. They're just everywhere. They're just everywhere. Uh -huh. Yeah. They're just like, okay, so your lair is just littered with weapons. So even if you disarm Omid, he can just keep arming himself. Good. Oh, mm -hmm. shit. Huh? It's okay. I mean, he needs, he needs an edge over us. Yes. But for the moment, he isn't actually fighting. He has his weapon drawn. Shere Katam, remind me, what weapon does your rival prefer? What is he armed yeah. with? Yes, that was going to be my question. Yeah. Um. Hmm. I mean, he's part of a gang called Jasper's Jazelgees. So, yeah, so normally, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think we also established that they aren't bringing their rifles with them. No, he didn't uh, have a rifle. He had something sharp. He's already scratched you across the face yeah. with like a knife or something. But also, Jazel is probably the worst like gunpowder weapon you could have in a tight like mm -hmm. indoor space. So, um, I, I, in in terms of like sidearms, I think it's just got you know. Uh, Curved sword, right? Very. Yeah. I don't think Omid particularly cares for what weapons he's using as long as he's using it. Yeah. So he has, a, indeed, has a kind of wicked-looking curved sword that uh, seems military issue, very like pragmatic, and he points at Alcader, and uh, he says, "I don't know why you're sticking your neck out for that man." Because because he has amazing fashion sense. And oh, you don't know. No. Okay? Yeah. You come you come to a duel, okay? And you don't even bring some sword that fucking rocks, okay? <laughs> Just look at that. What is that? Um yeah. I'm gonna look at Saida first of all. And... I haven't even managed to come downstairs yet, to be clear. I'm stuck upstairs. Okay. I'm gonna look for Saida, notice that she's not here and then think to myself. Why am I doing this? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and I think, but then I remember why I'm doing this, which is that Alcadir simply mentioned Omid's name and that was enough. So they, yeah. And I think, well, he's on the other side and that's all I need. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Omid kind of scowls at you and he says, I know we've had our differences. Differences? Is that what you call it? Differences? Look. You want to be under the thumb of some gentleman, nobility? I thought that was the sort of thing you were fighting against. Well, that's what he's trying to do to you. And he gestures at Al-Qadir, who looks shocked and offended at being What's accused yeah. of this. Al-Qadir says, well, certainly, certainly not. I, uh, look, we could, you could just go home. We have this whole situation in hand, he says, looking at at Omid, and uh, he, uh, Omid says like, well, fair enough, I recognize when I've been outmatched, I'll leave, but I'll just have you know, you're no better off with him 
than with me. Whatever he's planning to do, it won't be good for you. He says, and he actually throws this line out towards Sherkatham, his old rival. Maybe that's just to fuck with your mind. Maybe he means something by it, but... Um, I think that's gonna fly over Sherkatham's yeah. head as he just goes, Leave! You damn bastard, you gotta... You gotta <laughs> break it or how the, did you say you're just gonna leave? I'll, I'll do you, you... <laughs> <laughs> I'll fucking do you, <laughs> Do him, yes. Very good. Uh, there is a private room. <laughs> so he is backing away with his sword race. He does not seem to give a shit about his friend that you're holding hostage, by the way. He is yeah. just like, basically, he's just counting that, like, on sheer bravado, he's going to be able to back out the back door and put himself in a better position. So you can do something to stop him if you want, but otherwise, he's just going to, like, carefully back away with his weapon raised and try to escape this situation, if not the scene altogether. I am strongly encouraging Sherikatam, my friend, to throw yes. down with his rival. Mm. Yes. I mean, specifically, you said there's a private room. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. Excellent idea, uh, Bidrohe. Obed. This sh- we should end this how it always should have ended. You, me, in a sword fight to the death. Oh my god. <laughs> Okay, so rather than just attacking him, you're trying to persuade him into a sword fight to the death. No, just just the two of us. No one else needs to be involved. Yeah. Uh, I mean, fair. I think you have some position. I don't think Omid is the kind of guy who gives a shit about honor, to be honest. But um, I think that, you know, the idea of, like, your friends won't interfere makes this a possibility. So you can roll something. You can make this some sort of action. Uh, I think it's... I think it's risky. It's not quite controlled. You have the upper hand, but he is still a very dangerous man. And uh, you have limited effect, I think, in that you can you can get him to agree to a sword fight, but he will not take it seriously or play by the rules by default. Uh, that's okay, because I wasn't going to play by the rules either. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So... Risky, limited, and your goal is to get him to like actually fight you, right? Not not de-escalate, but to escalate. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. I'm gonna say that this is a consort role because I'm mm-hmm. counting on the fact that he hates me enough to. Okay. <laughs> so you're consorting <laughs> oh with your God. rivals, uh, trying to come to a gentleman's agreement. Uh, okay. So it's a four. Mm-hmm. So he he grins. He stops backing away. And uh, he says, all right, then, for old time's sake. And then he lunges at you. And uh, your risky consequence here is simply like, you want him to fight you, he's going to fight you. And he is really fast, so he's going to stab you. <laughs> um, hmm. So, like, you can resist okay. it if you want, but otherwise you're taking a level two harm here. All right, okay, um... He may be fast, but he is still some distance away. So if I were to fire my uh, hook shot, like my grappling hook at him, it would still hit him first, I think. Sure. And... So you can frame your resistance roll this way. Okay. And I. Um... I think it sounds like an insight here to act quicker than he does, but it could be something else. Resistance from deception or understanding prowess is physical strain or injury. Um, does prowess make more sense then? Sure, it can be prowess. All right, let's do that. Ah, easy. Very nice. Okay, so one stress. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, <laughs> hmm. 
So do you resist it? For I, I think the logical consequence here, then, instead, is that you know you don't have your, your hookshot available. You haven't lost the weapon or anything, but you've fired it. Yeah, you know, it's one of those, like, he probably parries it, because your mm. successor was not actually injuring him, just getting him to fight you. So yeah. <laughs> I think he parries it, bats it aside, it gets stuck in a wall. So your weapon's stuck, but you're not hurt. Now the way the way I had framed this hookshot thing is something like because I, yeah. I I don't think we've yeah. mentioned on the podcast itself is that Cher has a prosthetic arm and I thought this would be something that's actually just attached to his arm. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think so too. Sticker. I just mean the actual like shot yeah. itself is stuck so in the wall. So you can fire it again. Yeah. So because I think what just happened is that I've now uh, t- um, tied myself to a wall because the hook is it has ah. a rope that's attached to my arm now, right? Yeah. See, um, he can beat this man with one uh, arm tied in a wall. Yes. Okay. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. But I think I could use this to my advantage if I... Um, I want to try to run around, like, kind of in a circle. Like, literally, I want to try to run uh, in a circle around Omid so that I can get the rope around him. Okay, sure. Because so... <laughs> one, one end is stuck to the wall, yeah. the other end's me. So you shot at him, he like deflected the blow, it's stuck in a wall, and now you're running around him to try to snare him with the rope. Yes. Yeah. This, this is some Mickey Mouse sure. shit, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, very cool. I, I guess it's a prowl action, or it could be a skirmish. It's up to you what sort of action it is. I still think it's risky. I think this? neither you nor he have the upper hand could in be this moment. Well, I'm not prowling yeah. about Unseen. Could it be... Yes, I think so. So, finesse, then, yeah, I, I guess you're risky standard. I guess you can do this. I guess you can tie him up with a rope. You have a, you have a rope handy, and you're fast. And finesse he's not expecting like, you to fight like this. So, yeah. Finesse is also just like the dex action, as it were. So, anything yeah. that involves dexterity, mm-hmm. which is what you're actually doing. Hmm. Yeah, fair enough. So risky standard. Well, I mean, is it is it dexterous to just run around really fast around a man? <laughs> yeah, it is the way you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, ask, yeah. Okay, make your roll. Then I will shift the spotlight to someone else. Oh no! <laughs> oh, it's a failure. Yes. Oh, interesting. I guess he just cuts the rope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. You like run around. The blade is they can use it to cut things. They're not wrong. Yeah. Uh, I think that he will cut the rope, and uh, before I reveal what the consequence is, let's cut to Moss for a quick second. You're holding his his thug hostage, mm-hmm. and as, as his boss is now dueling what he regards as your boss, so this guy, this scarred man named Necktie, he kind of looks up at you, and... Uh, how are you looking at the moment? Like, are you looking like... You're looking like one of them, right? You're still in a disguise, kind of. Oh no, I did. I didn't disguise myself. I just like kind of. I look like my, like myself. I just yeah. kind of walked in behind them and and trusted that none none of them would notice that the next <laughs> right. person yeah. entered. Yeah. Well, fair <laughs> enough. I guess he still hasn't paid very close attention to you. So I think he says like, "Hey, sister, this concerns neither you or me. You mind letting <laughs> me go?" No, I think that. <laughs> Ah, he's, no, he's kind I, of I, pleading with you, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I'm just like, I think the guy has the right idea, and I start tying him to the petrified plant that is very <laughs> heavy. <laughs> okay. 
We're well, gonna we're gonna have to for Sancho. We're gonna have to have someone yep. explain this. Like yeah, sure. So the consequence. I think the risky consequence is I don't think Omid is attacking you here. The reason why sort of necktie matters is that okay, he doesn't have his his guy handy, and I don't think necktie is in a position to put up a fight. So like Moss can tie him down. I think the the risky consequence and the consequence of your failure here is that Omid like he cuts the rope, he lunges past you, and then he will roll out into the street. He's still not running away because he's still intending to fight you, but he is starting to realize that you know maybe he should shift his position to uh, open ground, particularly when you're denied your hook shot. Right, because he kind of knows your tricks. Uh, yeah. So the rope for your hookshot is cut. You can't use it right now. You can repair it later. But he, uh, yeah, part one part of the consequence is that the rope is just cut now. So now he can't use it at all. Yeah, that's fine. And the second thing is he is shifting his field of battle out into the street, which is a little unfortunate for both him and you, because out in the street there's still Jackal and her thugs. Uh, and so let's cut to say that. See what's yeah, happening there. This is not great for anybody. So if I remember correctly. I, um, you know, f- faster clock on the roof, uh, some moron has fired a gun down there, I look down, and all three of the kids are inside the building, right? So it's just Jackal and her yep. thugs outside, right? Yes, and they were trying to grab Bidrahi, but then they decided against it, and now they're just like, well, they're not sure what you were trying to do. <laughs> they they don't even understand that you've been trying to use some sort of magic, but you drew attention yeah. to yourself, and they know you're part of of Bidruhi's crew, so they're basically just trying to kidnap yeah, you to get okay. at Bidruhi. So I think um, I look at Jackal, um, and I kind of uh, undo. I think so far um, I haven't. I, I've been mostly trying to do magic, right? I don't know if I don't think I have my. I've had any of my weapons out really. Um, so I undo nope. my, like, fine uh, hook sash, and the way that I imagine this sash is that, um, well, it's two references. The first is, I don't know if anybody has ever seen Rurouni Kenshin or read the books. Yes. Uh, so yes. there is, um, I mean, side note, the author of Rurouni Kenshin has been revealed for many years to be, like, a genuinely terrible person. Uh, don't Google it until you genuinely, unless mm-hmm. you want to, like, scar yourself. Um, side note number two, there are some really wacky swords in this manga, including one of the swords, which is like a big, like elastic sword or something like it's like, uh, like a big bendy sword with like a weighted tip. And apparently like if you, if you move the hilt a bit, then the tip just like whatever something, right? Um, and I think it's a bit like that in that, like this sash has a, is weighted such that she can control it by... Uh, moving the end that's wrapped around her waist or her hand uh, in order to move the sash. And I think that uh, one one edge of the sash is, like, very edged. It's got little hooks in it. Um, And that's the one that she uses to, like, hurt people. So, to be clear here, as these Skovlander thugs, like, swarm around this old woman to kidnap her, she just pulls out a bladed sash and starts swinging it around? And I'm going to say, yeah, I'm just going to say, you know, I thrashed Bidrohi the other day. Maybe he'll respect me more if I thrash you and then show him that I'm better than you. Because he clearly didn't. Thrashing him did not change his mind about me. 
Well, I think you can take some sort of action to discourage them now. Less because they think you're a badass, but more like an old person swinging around sharp implements is not a person you bring with you safely. So I think you're making an argument yeah. against uh, kidnapping this seems you here. like uh, sway someone with deception or bluff. Um, I don't think it's... Yeah, I don't think that's really so a force of personality here. But also, yeah, I don't think that, like, she... One of the reasons it's not, like, really commanding is that she wasn't, like, go fuck yourself, I'm gonna murder you. She was like, hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, I think it's Sway. Yeah, I think it's Sway, and your goal is just to, what, get them to back off? Okay, then it's standard, and... Hmm... I, it's borderline desperate, but I, I think we're going to keep with Risky because their goal isn't to like kill you. Their goal yeah, was okay. to kill you. And to be honest, you, so. just um, just kind of like gaining the space is useful for now, right? Yep. Yeah. So risky standard it is. Let's see. A consequence here might be that your situation becomes desperate because you are going you are going from becoming a convenient bystander. Yeah. So I'm gonna mark my fine edged sash, and it's really good that I'm in heavy load because it means that like, you know, I still got two more slots out of mm -hmm. my six. And I feel mm -hmm. like one of the reasons this can work is that like she's got a really fine edged sash. Otherwise, like if I'm just an old woman with like a knife, they're gonna be like lol, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but this is serious weapon. Yeah. Yeah. But you pulled out an exotic and pretty crazy weapon on them. So, yes. Risky standard. I am going uh -huh. to offer you yes. a devil's bargain here. And uh, the devil's bargain is that uh, she has some pretty experienced fighters in her gang. And I've decided yeah. that Jackal's gang are like into exotic weapons. So, oh. your devil's bargain is they want one. Yes. You, you know what? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, because, do you know what would be very funny? Is if I convince one of them to also join our school because clearly the rising moon school needs more disciples and who better than uh -huh. like you know someone who's really into sashes yes yeah for sure i will take that mm -hmm. okay i'm noting yeah. it now that's jackal's um, gang want a razor and sash yeah i think like uh yeah for now she's just like swinging it right she's not really uh attacking it but yeah she's practiced uh -huh. um can't push myself because I've got. I'm only two stress away, and I would prefer to trauma out if I am going to because of resisting rather than pushing. I think this is not interesting right now. Okay, yeah. And it's good, by the way, that Samoom is not here, and I know that it's not here because if it was, I would have tried to speak it in order to make something happen, and that would definitely be a bad idea. Risky standard, one bonus style yep. for the Devil's Bargain. Three twos. Oh, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Critical two. Yeah. Mm. So you roll a two, a two, and a two. Uh, all right. What mm. is going to happen here is that mm. you pull out this weapon and you start swinging it about. And unless you resist it, like it is possible for you to resist it. So it's not that Jackal's gang like yeah. straight up rush you. They are freaked out by this. Mm. But Jackal had a second plan. Yeah. And it was to wait for the cops to fuck you up. And uh, now this... This clock of the Fursan arrive is going to tick, and what is going to happen unless you resist it is that you start swinging around this insane lethal weapon, and then the yeah, police I turn think, up and see you. Uh, I am going to resist, and the way that I'm going to resist, tell me if this is too uh -huh. much, by the way, is that uh, I want to flashback to, I know that the Fursan are mm -hmm. around, I know they're always likely to turn up, right? So what I want to do is make sure that when they turn up, yeah. that they know that like I'm going to be there. It's because we're being attacked, 
and um, if you see me swinging the sash around, it's not because like I want to escalate to this level. It's because I've been left with no choice. Okay, so you you are basically wanting the the police on your side. Uh, so I don't really want to negate them arriving, but I want to make what I want to make sure uh -huh. is when they do yeah. arrive that they understand that like I'm just a little old lady trying to protect myself. Okay, I think you could do this as a one stress flashback and then a resistance roll. Yeah. So it costs you one stress flashback to have talked to them, and then we'll see. The resistance roll is just like you know how yeah, much stress sense. do you take in the process as they turn up and intervene. We have a Faris as a crew contact. It's Faris Julika. Oh, yeah. Whom we okay. saw in season one. Then Julika is uh, is here, I yeah, guess, yeah. as you make this resistance roll. But let's see if you trauma out, because that's a dark. It's like impossible. understanding, right? Yeah, yeah. Sounds good. Uh, I yes, hate arguing like for uh, me having only one mm -hmm. die in things, but here we are. Uh, so basically, if this is not a six, I trauma out, mm -hmm. right? Um, so let's see. It's a one, so it's really yep. good, actually. Good. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Excellent. Great. Yes. All right. Mm. Well, you swing around this weapon, and I think as you are swinging this weapon around in a circle, yeah. you, get, you, you get to frame your own trauma, but here's my suggestion. You swing this weapon in a sacred circle, and a uh, dust devil rises around you and obscures excellent. you from okay. view. So I think that um, it's very funny if my trauma is just I am haunted by Samum. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Yes. We will We will do a scene of that in a second. But for now, you are taken out of the scene by your demonic minion. Fuck. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, what does Faris Julika look like as she intervenes in the scene we have uh, do we, have we had a description um, of her personality yeah or let me uh she did it last time her physical description but i remember her personality quite vividly so basically she was a faddis who um came into uduasha and her her one of the things that she wanted to do was become a professional herself like a professional swordswoman herself um and she tries to get into the coliseum and she fails miserably um, and the, the Ustads of the Falling Star School are, like, at interns amused and annoyed, right, by these attempts. So they kind of, like, go out of their way to embarrass her as if to be like, well, you're never going to do this, lol, right? Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. So she is a failed gladiator yeah, who yeah. became a... Uh... Uh, for son of her youth instead, yeah. It's like it's like how top chefs look down on the school lunch lady. Yeah. Uh huh. So uh, yes, we see Julika turn mm. up, and I'm I'm just going to give her a physical description since we haven't given her one. Then oh, no, she does she have one. Uh, she does have one. She was described oh, okay. as kind of plain faced and large. Yeah. Uh, good. That kind of fits what I was describing. So she's fairly tall, and she comes in. In we haven't described how the Faris are dressed, but. They're less police and more a security mm -hmm. force. They're meant to be impressive, right? So I'm imagining they're in some sort of robes, mm -hmm. like pretty flowing clothes. Probably in like a khaki kind of beige color. And uh, yeah, adorned with helmet and with some sort of mm. sigil of, uh, of Uduasha. Uh, which is, of course, yes. since Uduasha is built around a fallen star, mm. a star. Very good. They have sheriff stars. They're totally unrelated to sheriff stars, but... Uh, yes. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, five points, of course, for the five houses that they serve. And uh, mm -hmm. so she strides in, and she is accompanied by one other Faris, and by a peculiar little man, who none of you recognize, who is dressed similarly in these like elegant robes, mm. uh, but he has a uh, a very nice hat, like a brimmed cap, and he's walking behind Julika and her companion quite calmly, assessing the situation. But she steps in and says like. All right, break it up, everyone, break it up. And since you failed mm. your role to captivate the Skovlanders, they yeah. break it up. Like, you didn't yeah. succeed in captivating their yeah. attention or getting them to do what you want. So they basically scatter. And so it's mm -hmm. in front of the Fursan, in front of the Faris and her two companions, that Omid stumbles out mm. into the street. And Omid comes face to face with Zahir, who is Sherekatam's friend who was with you. Yes. And who has laid a trap for Omid, or so he thought. And so, just as the uh, as the Fursan arrive, and as the Skovlanders scatter, they come to see a clash between two men in the street. Omid, with his long sword, and Zahir probably also has a sword. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. so your your friend and your rival, Sherikatam, are now fighting in the street, their blades crossed. So I'm, I'm in the, like, okay, so I, I, I'm in the lair, uh, yeah. Omid had ducked out. After yeah. cutting the rope, I think um, yeah. when he does that, I, like Sherikatam just goes clever as always, um, and uh, yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not Sherikatam's not a particularly bright person when it comes to dealing with women, so I'm just gonna run out onto the street as well. Mm -hmm. And You're just what do I see? The street. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you yeah, you see Omid and Zahir crossing blades, and unless yeah, I'm gonna put it like this: unless you resist this, probably with insight. You will not notice anything else, because this is your best friend and your rival. I think this emotionally takes up your space. So, unless you roll a resistance roll, you will only notice that Sahir and Omid are fighting. Just tell me, is Omid, like, facing me? Like, is it possible to, like, sneak up? Well, not sneak up, like, is, is Omid aware that I'm uh, coming out of the door? Uh, I think he is. He seems to have enough situational awareness. But that said, he is distracted, so he's not fully 100% paying attention to you, since your friend is here. And so, tell me about Zahir. Is he sly enough to coordinate some sort of plan with you? Is that the sort of guy he is? Or will he, like, shout loudly to you? Because I think Zahir can see you, and he will, like, make an uh, make eye contact with you and be like, how do we play this? Okay, you can detail this how you like, but I pictured Zahir as being, like, the kind of friend who's also a thorn in your side. Yeah. Right? Like, uh-huh. Okay, uh, so he, he will do what you don't want in this moment. I think so. I, I, but I think where I think I've kind of played Sherry Hallam to be a bit off, like you know, kind of underhanded. Like yeah, is Zahir? I think is like the more honorable, more yeah, refined okay. friend, and he's like you know he'll he'll if he's in a duel he'll do it the right way around. He'll be like yeah. he's not gonna wait. He's not gonna be like oh yeah, Sher, I'm gonna like. Uh, yeah. Well, he's gonna say, I'm gonna uh -huh. angle myself so you can sneak up on him. He'll be like, Ah, yes, my friend, you're here. Yeah. Let us down yeah. together. So that that is exactly what he does. He turns to us. He goes like, Brother, don't worry. I have him right where I want him. And I go like, yeah. Shut up, you idiot. I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. So what do you do? Seeing them clash, like they're testing each other, circling each other with the drawn swords. I'm gonna ask Zahir where he was this whole time. <laughs> 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 yeah, so 
<laughs> Zahir, uh, we did specify that you were bringing your friend, but we also specified that you were surprised by the attack happening at the lair. Uh, so Zahir goes like, sorry, uh, I was a little uh, slowed down, a little uh, delayed by this whole change of venue. I don't know my way around the rooftops uh, up here, okay? They're very bad. I fell through one. You're always, I mean, you're always on my case about doing the right thing and being like, you know, on the ball and you show up <laughs> to this fight like 10 minutes too late. Like, speaking <laughs> about doing the right things, make sure you and your people tie your roofs properly, damn it. <laughs> Crosses blades. The... And Omid's just standing there listening to all this. Yes, I mean, I, I'm imagining <laughs> them like, you know, they cross blades a couple of times, but Omid seems pretty amused by the whole situation. <laughs> And then Omid, I think, says, like, I hate to break up this tearful reunion, but the Fusan are here. <laughs> uh-huh. I think he's just telling you this as his opportunity to escape, right? Mm-hmm. Could I maybe, like, go yeah. to the Fusan and create some space for these three to settle their things without their interference? Absolutely, yeah. I was just about to cut back to Moss, but I suppose that you have surreptitiously disappeared, as you do, and are reappearing next to the Fursan. Remember that we have two goons as well, who are yep. probably also very slowly running over here, so if yep. you want to use them as well. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, I, I have no idea how to use them at this point. Uh, what, I, what I would like to do, though, is... Um, like, I, I kind of want to draw their attention to the Scofflanders and just be like, that woman just came to our house and started shooting uh, with that gun of hers. Uh, mm-hmm. so, so that they're focused on the people that they're dispersing being actually like a more of a threat than the people. You, you, want, a of, you want a yeah. set of the person chasing after the retreating Scofflanders. Yeah, but I kind okay. of want to like take a moment to notice who the best person to talk to is here because we have Julaika, but we also have this this little man that we have no idea about. So I'm yeah. going to survey them. Yeah, absolutely. Survey action seems appropriate here. Uh, let's not overcomplicate this. I think it's actually I think you have the upper hand here. So I think it's controlled standard. I think you can get this information, and in this moment you are just a you know concerned citizen without a gun pointing at the person who has a gun. So ah. Yeah, I'll have left my rifle in the house. Yes. Yeah. You didn't. Yeah. I don't think you have marked it on you, right? So. I have marked it on me, but mm. I. That doesn't matter. You left uh, it in the lair. Yep. I left this it is in an the advantage lair. of being in the lair. Yep. Fair yes. enough. Uh, controlled standard. I'm just going to roll it. Yep. And it is a five. It is a five. Okay. And you are on a normal load. Uh huh. I think the consequence here is that uh, as you survey them, basically part of the consequence is just you realizing what is going on. Okay. And uh, what you realize is that this this little man with the cap, um, he is one of the falconers. He is going somewhat incognito. That's why it's not obvious because normally they have well falcons, right? They're yeah. They're the secret police, but they also actually are falconers. He is going like a little bit incognito. Uh, not not terribly much, but you realize that he is from the the camp. He still has like a symbol of authority on him, and uh, I think the controlled consequence, unless you resist it, is that you and he know each other a little. Like you've had some run in before. Not a ter- not a bad one because it's controlled, not a risky circumstance. Mm-hmm. But he knows who you are unless you resist it. Oh, interesting. Um... 
I I don't immediately see a reason to resist that. I, I think it's better that way, actually. Yeah. Um, or I think it's inter more interesting, to be sure. So yeah. I'm just going to leave it. Yeah. And uh, he, uh, he uh, touches the brim of his cap, and he looks at his two underlings, Julika and the other person, and he says, Well, ladies, uh, you heard her. That way. And he gestures with his cap in the direction of the fleeing Skovlanders. And they turn that way. And uh, he turns back to you. Moss on the rung that breaks your ankle, if I'm not mistaken. Good to see oh. you again. And I don't think not you know his name, so you're a little taken yeah, back by like, good to see you again. I'm just like, not, not many people remember all the way. Well, very impressive. Um, I don't think I, I can offer you the same courtesy. Of course. I am an unremarkable fellow. Captain Peregrine, he says, and he does a little bow. And yes. uh, obviously this is an alias. He's a, he's a falconer. His name is not actually Peregrine, but... It would be very funny. I'm just like, I'll just kind of nod and lie. I, your face seems familiar. Yes, I think we've run in the same circles time to time. Travelers, foragers, that sort of thing. I do enjoy a bit of a stroll. Do you mind inviting me in? It's terribly hot outside. He says, and he's kind of looking at the people having a duel. Like, side-eyeing that way. But for now, you have successfully distracted him and his people. And again, you know, it's, it sort of makes sense to prioritize the person who has firearms over the people who have swords. Like, mm -hmm. they're at least just a threat to each other, not to the general public. Yeah, so do you invite him inside your lair where you have all sorts of illegal shit? You can, because I'm... What I've been doing is uh -huh. hiding all the weapons. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a man tied to a petrified tree. Uh, yep. I am covering him in a lampshade or something, or like a blanket. Oh, sure. Yes. yes. Cool. <laughs> um, in that case, sure. We're, we'll go. I'll have trusted your uh, yeah. your instincts in this case. Uh, okay. just, of, of course. Yeah. Sure. Uh, we can get you some water. Don't don't worry about them. I'm pretty sure it's just a fr friendly bout. Uh, uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. So you are inviting the falconer into your lair. And yes. meanwhile, there is a duel going on outside. And I think Alcader, who is also here, there's kind of a lot of people in the seat, right? But I think Alcader has also run outside to watch this duel. No, 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 he hasn't. Because he, I, I held him back because okay. I wanted his opinion on like whether I should use the red drapes or the purple drapes to hide. Ah, of course. Okay, yeah. so he's, he's doing interior decorating with you. Yes. Keeps, <laughs> it, keeps him busy. Mm -hmm. Keeps him safe. I love setting up a team of bravos, none of whom are very bravo. That's what appears to have happened. Yeah. Well, this is this is our theme, right? Our cult wasn't super culty either. Mm. I can I can throw down, uh -huh. but you know, this is this is yes. a private one-on-one -on -one that Sher that Sherkatan is having with his rival uh, mm -hmm. and his I mean, friend. What? What do you mean, not very bravo? What have, what have I been doing this whole yes. time? <laughs> I have been saying bravo to everything you've been doing. Yeah. Yes. And speaking of which, I, I think we should see how Shere Katab's fight is resolving. So you're, you're having an argument with your friends while he's crossing blades with Omid. Mm. And what do you do? Um, um, I, 
Well, I'm going to join in, but I'm also going to frame this as part of the argument where I'm like, uh, you know, I'm going to call out his head and look, you're already late, just leave him to me, you know, just... Uh, like, d d as if to say, like, you know, like, y you don't need to come in here in the last minute and take my glory, right? Um, so I'll, 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 I don't know what effect this is going to have on me that I don't particularly care, but it's more of a... I'm just gonna try to like take Zahir's place in the fight, like kind of just nudge him out of the way and try to get in my own swings rather than coordinating with him. Okay, so there is some sort of action here, but your goal is more to like take over the fight and the glory than to actually score a hit on Omid, right? Yes. <laughs> okay, so it's up to you what sort of action this is, but I think this is controlled standard. It's not super risky to just take his place, but. Um, but, you know, your standard effect won't actually accomplish anything against Omid, other than get his attention. Um, you can trade I, this up to Risky Great if you want to both step in and accomplish something, but... Yes, I'm gonna... Okay, I'm gonna, I wanna uh, make this Risky Great, because I will say that while this may not be what I'm intending to do, the fact that... But Omid, Omid kind of does actually have to, like, even even though we're not coordinating, Omid has to now kind of deal with, like, a yeah. very unpredictable series <laughs> of uh, jabs yeah. coming his way. Okay, so, excellent. Risky, yeah. great. And the thing you are risking here is Zahir. Okay. Just to let you know. My friend. All right. Um, okay, I think... I think that case is going to be... either finesse or skirmish? I don't know what seems more... Appropriate yeah, skir skirmish is probably more appropriate. You are like trading in into the fight here. Oh, hang on, I was looking at. And what weapon are you using here as you enter oh. the fight? Oh, just my fine hand weapon, which mm -hmm. I think is also just a a sword. Yeah, so it's sword. a three-way, it's a three-way yeah. sword fight now. Yeah, good. Risky, great, incredible. That's where all the sixes uh -huh. we've been needing oh, have gone. Great, amazing. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, I think with a crit, you can disarm Omid in this situation. It's gonna happen in like the weird, uh, the weirdest way, where um, like Zahir and I both try to get a swing in, but like our blades kind of create, like, like we're not intending to do this, but our blades just happen to kind of like the curved parts of the blade just happen to create kind of like a vice that grabs the sword out of Omid's hand, like his weapon, his hand. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were both like, oh, oh, I guess we did that. All right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, well done. Well done, gentlemen. Yeah, that's, that's your crit bonus. You can still get the great effect of inflicting, like, are you aiming to hurt Omid? Or are you aiming to take him captive? Like, what, what do you actually want to accomplish here? Uh, we want to hurt him. Yeah. Well, I, was okay. I, don't know, I don't know what I hear once, but I want to hurt him. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So you, like, basically, in the flurry, one of you and Zaheer disarms him and the other person stabs him. But it's a little unclear who did what. Um, but yeah, Omid backs away with a wound in his stomach and staggering away. And I think, I think this is a, a character-defining moment for you, really. He is staggering away and he has clearly been defeated, right? And this is in an open street in front of witnesses. You can just kill him here if you want. I think with your crit, normally I, I would say he's much trickier to deal with, but with your crit, you've set yourself up for mm -hmm. it. However, it would be just straight up murder in an open street. He is unarmed at this point. 
the two factors I'm considering here is that I don't think shared a couple will kill a man like I th- in cold blood. I, I mean, which I, I mean, or at least not like this. Like, I think telling us something about your character, right? Like, he is mm-hmm. your hated rival, but mm-hmm. I have a suggestion yeah. here. Mm-hmm. Can we flash back to a conversation about this sort of thing between Pidruhi and Sherekatam? Um, yeah, uh, but l- let me just, uh, I guess, finish what I was going to say because I think, because uh, I've said that, like, Sherekatam has definitely, like, assassinated people in war, but I think that this somehow feels different because, like, I don't know. It's not. I, I don't. It feels unclean somehow. So yeah, maybe I, that, that, yeah. This would also be murdering someone on the front door of your own house with witnesses yeah. around. It's not a great look for you, right? So yeah. Um, the but other... this is what I want to talk about, really. Yeah. I think we could hash hash these things out uh, in yeah. a short conversation. That could yes. be interesting. The other thing that's out of character is that it would be you know kind of be anticlimactic to kill my hated rival in like, yeah. the very first. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, okay, All right, let's hash this out. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's see this flashback between uh, Sherikatam and Bidruhi. Was this happening on the roofs just before this fight, maybe? Uh, I think, yeah, because we established that uh, Omid is Sherikatam's big rival. So this kind of like brings forward the question of, like, I think Bidruhi would actually just ask Sherikatam in, in a slightly different voice than his usual voice, he'd say, so Shere Khatam, you have probably an opportunity to kill this Omid fellow, whom, of course, I mean, I, I know you want to fuck him, haha, but uh, now you can actually kill him too. Would you do it? Uh, it's just call me Mushrik, Shere Khatam thing, that's, that's, that's overblown. Like, just, uh, okay, Mushrik. Uh, yes. Uh, Shere Khatam for the fans. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, this man like has like I've I've seen all of my friends like die. I've seen like villages being burned to a crisp, and with Omid behind this whole thing, I would love nothing but more than to take this guy out. And I think. I mean, if, if it comes to just me fighting him, like, there's no question. I'm gonna, you know. But, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I don't care. Like, the thing is, I'm, the, the way we framed it is, I'm, I think now I'm more incentivized to say that I will absolutely kill Omid no matter what. Yeah, which is not actually what I want to do. No, uh-huh. that's okay. Let's have the conversation. Uh-huh. I think Bidrahi yeah. would say, Killing him would also mean that he cannot hurt anyone in the future. But do you think that's very likely? It sounds a bit like this man's a has-been. I don't know what he's been doing since those days, but he's... Look, some people are just too dangerous to be left alive. Fully, I agree. Fully, I agree. And my father, he would have no problem just going, going up and killing this man. My father, he liked to go up to his problems and kill them, if possible. Mm. This is how he died. And he died in a very foolish fashion. Apparently he died trying to kill some old man. I heard about that. 
It was a viper, wasn't it? I didn't know he was back in action. I thought he'd retired. Yes, yes, yes the viper. I, you know, I think they only call him the viper because he killed Ramu. Okay? Hmm. If he didn't kill Ramu, there would be no legend. He'd just be some old man. But you have to make some sort of story to make sure, to explain how, how can this man be killing Ramu the Golden. And this is, this is I think, uh, the point I was thinking about. Uh, which is, okay, you kill Omid and he's done. And that's probably a good thing. The bastard deserves to die. But if Omid survives, if you fight him and you let him go, then Omid does something very important for you, doesn't he? He makes he creates a story. People will talk about Sherekatam as the man who totally kicked this bastard's ass and then let him go like a little bitch. And this is, I think, the best thing about these, you know, all these like all, all these stories, all these big fighters, they all have like a rival. And the rival, they don't just, you know, drop out in the first story. They stick around, you know. There's, a, there's mm. back and forth. And maybe someday, you know, Omid will get the drop on you and like really fuck you up, but you will still survive. And that will be even more satisfying when you finally kill him. You see, it is all part of the narrative arc. Mm. You talk as if we are characters in some kind of a story. We will be characters in stories people will tell. Uh, but mm. only, only if we're cool. I do like the idea of living in that bastard's head, you know, haunting him in his dreams. Yeah, yeah, I think I like that. Okay. This is why my rival Jackal hasn't just shot me. Because it's very easy to shoot someone when they just have a sword. Yeah, you know, with the way, like, you might have a point here. We only have points. <laughs> Because we have swords. Mm. The other people, they have bullets. Sage advice. Well, are the bullets not pointy as well? No, they're round. Mm. But when you consider the velocity, the, the action is that of a piercing object, is it not? Bidre thinks about this for a moment. Mm. And then gets up and leaves. Okay. And I think uh, Cher <laughs> thinks about this for a moment that actually, yeah, like, if it came to it, if he had Omid in his, like, in the palm of his hand, it would be more satisfying to watch, like, watch him squirm and then, like, just be, just be there, like, in the back of this guy's head, like, oh, yeah, I could have killed you. Like, I own... Yeah. But Bidu, right. he just wants to get away from this conversation now that it's turned science and boring. <laughs> so back to the present. Uh, Omid is stumbling backwards, hunched over. You have this moment where you could strike at his neck. Mm. And he looks up at you and he knows that you are going to do it in this moment. And to do you? I'm going to, like, I'm, I'm going to do the thing that you do, you know, where you swing, but you just stop the swing, right? Just short uh -huh. of actually cutting the, yeah. And I'm going to, here's the thing, like, I'm going to look into his... Like, I'm going to look into his eyes. Like, I can see this man. Like, is there any hint of, I don't know, remorse or, like, fear or anything? Like, is there any hint of... Because I've, I've been seeing this man as kind of like this inhuman, like, force yeah. of evil that's yeah. just been fucking everything up for me. Is there any hint of humanity here? And, uh -huh. like, anything that will actually convince me that, okay, I'm not going to, like, butcher this guy in front of, like... You know, it sounds like this is an action. It's controlled because, well, duh, you're in control of the situation. 
But in a strange way, where I'm kind of opening up an opportunity for Omid to convince me to not kill yes. him. Yes. Yes. I think it's an action because I can see interesting things going either way here. So controlled standard, probably study or something like it, or maybe consort even, like <laughs> having a moment with him in the heat of battle. Yeah, sure. But absolutely, you stop your blade shy of his neck, and you try to gauge his reaction. Take an assist from me because I think what I yes. did was an assist. Yes. Yeah. And I'm very stressed out at the pr prospect of you killing someone in, in front of the cops. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, who are still here. This is why yes. killing him now is an extremely <laughs> bad idea. Alright, let's see what we got. Ah, that's, a six. Well, that's a six. I don't know. What does a six mean here? Does a photograph okay. of his little girl slide out of his pocket? Uh -huh. <laughs> I think what happens here is that uh, he looks up at you and I think, yeah, I think he will say something and you will understand a little bit of his motivation right so he uh, he was fighting for the the new order right like for the mechanization of of yeah. labor and all that right mm -hmm. and you were trying to preserve the old ways this is the dynamic you've had um i think the dynamic I, I, like when uh i was fighting in like Ketris, like i said like it was more about the the camaraderie the you know the loyalty to the master thing i don't think yeah at that time, I was like, my Sherry Heller was very politically motivated to do what he was doing. I don't know what Omid was like, yeah. doing. I think Omid's motivation was just a paycheck, right? Uh, Omid, Omid was a mercenary, yeah. yeah. So you stop the blade, and he looks up at you. There is this moment for you, yet I guess one of the one of the Faris is like rushing at him now, to, like pull him away, arrest him. He's been disarmed. Um, like break up the fight, basically. Uh, but as this is happening, he looks up at you, he like spits up some blood as you've stabbed him in the stomach, and uh, he says, <clears throat> You know, I'm not the mercenary. The damn gentlemen were the mercenaries. All they care about is money. You should too. Ain't no principles. <clears throat> and what you learn about him here is that the reason he became so cynical is that he has been fucked over by the gentlemen really bad and so what he did was rather than fight for them as like their noble their noble vassal man right you know their noble and true fighter right. he became a merc but you see the the like cynicism in his eyes and yeah never trust the gentleman mm. and i think this is this is his spark of humanity right okay i yeah, I think that's gonna be enough to me not convince uh, me essentially, but enough to like hesitate. I think at which point maybe the freeze can come in and yeah, pull him out of the way. Yeah, and by then he's underneath a cop. So yeah. if you want to kill him now, you will have to stab through yeah. one of the police women, and you probably mm. don't want to do that. Mm. And like she tackles mm. him out of the way, she turns to you and goes like, lower your weapon! Uh, uh, yeah, I think, which I do, but kind of absentmindedly because I'm thinking about, like, what Omid said. Because, mm -hmm. mm. this is interesting, because he, Omid, also had previously pointed out Al-Qadir as a, well, one of the gentlemen, which didn't register yep. then, but I'm kind yeah. of thinking about it now. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, I think... Yeah. 
I don't think the the Faris are just going to let you back into your lair. I think that you yeah. will be a little bit questioned and so on. Mm. Uh, we'll get back to that. But let's cut to the inside of the lair. And then we'll cut to Saida, because I've not forgotten about Saida. But I think it makes sense to resolve the events in the lair first. Yeah. So <clears throat> Captain Peregrine walks inside. He takes off his hat. And he is um, has a very visible bald spot, which seems not to bother him in the slightest. He like hangs up his hat on a pig that moments before held some sort of deadly dirk, but has now been cleaned out by Bidruhi, right? Yes. And uh, he says, ah, you have a lovely home. Yes, thank you very much. Would you like a gulab jamun? Oh, yes. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Murad, go get a gulab jamun. Uh-huh. And uh, your, your two servants who have turned up at this point, very, very <laughs> confused by what is happening. Yes. Decide that, okay, we're hosting this yes. guy now. And then mouth at them, put your fucking swords away when you come back. Yes. <laughs> and uh, there is a dynamic that happens here. As Captain Peregrine walks inside, Al-Kader looks visibly nervous. It's one of those, like, he has a very friendly smile, and then he sees this man that he, he has an expression of, like, oh, shit, while smiling. I had a moment where I wanted to, like, just, like, show the police or the falconers, I guess, in this case, like, the guy, like, necktie that we captured. I'd be like, yeah, these guys broke into my home, but as soon as I see that, I'm like, oh, wait, no, because then they might yep. be able to make a connection between all the yep. things and that we have a thing we're not supposed to have. Yeah. And yeah. You still have contraband in your vault, right? So Yeah. There's just a vaguely necktie shaped lump of, you know, yeah. tapestry. Uh-huh. I think he there, you know? knows to shut the hell up too at this moment because I mean he's tied up. Anyone can like beat him if he makes a noise, so mm -hmm. he's smart enough to keep his mouth shut and to stay very still. A professional. <clears throat> mm -hmm. <laughs> so the captain chooses your moldy sofa to sit down in. Who knows why he does that? It's your least appealing piece of furniture, but that's where he takes a seat. And he says, well, it seems we've had a little dispute here. Again. <laughs> he adds, sounding a little bit unamused, and he looks between Bidruhi and uh, Moss, and uh, I trust everything is settled, or are there more troublemakers about? Hmm? Well, if they are about, we'll be here, but I would prefer that people stopped coming to our home and shooting guns and stuff. Yes, yes. Mind telling me what this matter was about? Uh, no idea, honestly. They, they said something about what did it, it was the, the matter with those two was like some sort of, uh, I don't know, they're always angry at one another. I think mm -hmm. it's uh, about the war or whatever. Uh, about the war or whatever. Yeah, that's what, uh -huh. that's what people are yeah. normally angry about. That's true. Yeah, yeah, I mean, people are angry about the war all the time. These Skoflanders, these I, I really have no idea. I think they were just there to fuck with us. It's always like this, uh, sir. And a gesture at uh, Captain Bergen. It's always like this, sir. We are just some Ketrisi people trying to, you know, just live our lives in the normal Ketrisi way. Yes, then, yes. I, yes, I do yes. feel terribly bad for your people. You know, yeah. so many horrible things happen to the Ketrisi. It's tragic, really. 
Yes, it is very tragic. And now we have we we have Sar here, and then a gesture at Alkadir uh, yeah. Al He's a man of the people, an un- an up and coming man, and you can tell by the cut of his waistcoat that he understands what's going on. And these yes. people, they don't like that we have someone who understands what's going on, and they come over here, and then they just try to fuck with him. They we were just having a nice tea and some few gulab jamuns, and then they came over here to try to kidnap him, and then the Scovlanders who they have nothing better to do. And all they did, all they knew how to do was fight from like the war with Akoros or whatever. And then they come over here and then they cause more problems. We're just, it's always just problems and problems. Uh Everybody's angry about the war. It it depends which war per person, but you know. Yeah. So he listens patiently to you finishing and then he looks over at Alcadon and says, yes, I do enjoy your waistcoat. It's a very fine cut, but sadly when you're Kethrisi, not even a fine waistcoat protects you from ruffians. Do you know, a courier was murdered in the desert, one of your people, carrying some very important documents. Sad, really. Mm. He says, and then he very, very pointedly studies how you all react to a courier was murdered carrying some important documents. Excellent. What was a courier of ours doing out in the desert? Ah, a matter of uh, tradition. I am afraid it's uh, it's old practice when uh, someone is delivering a message between families in Iruvia to deliver them in a traditional manner. Sadly, whatever the message was, it never actually made its way here. So I'm afraid I can't answer that. But it's my job to keep track of rovers and wanderers, people who spend too much time outside the city walls, he says. And this is when he looks at Moss, and this is why he knows you, because mm. ah, you are a yeah. weird wanderer, and he, his job is to keep track of weird wanderers. Well, I've firmly settled down. Uh, there are, so there are not really any wanderers or people who spend a lot of time that are about outside the city walls here, I'm afraid. That is true. And also, sir, and then it turned to Al-Qadir with like a sort of like and then as I turn, I, my face is like away from Captain Peregrine. But I'm like giving Alcadir a play it cool, play along sort of look. And then, yeah. I turn, and then I turn back so that they can, everyone can see me. Sir here, he, of course, he'd, I, I don't know if you know this courier or not, sir. And then I kind of really look to see if Alcadir confirms either way. Yeah, no, he, uh, he gives you a, a non-committal smile. And okay. uh, says, well, I, I know a lot of people. I have so many friends. You know, I can't possibly keep track of them all. <laughs> okay, okay. But but what I mean, uh, sir, is that because you are a man of the people and this is one of the people, then of course, sir, you shall be hosting a very uh, tasteful and yet lavish funeral feast in memory of this man. And, you know, it is it is very sad to hear about him. But, sir, I am sure that you will, be, you will be doing this, yes? And what I'm just trying to do here is kind of like, say like, okay, uh, I don't know why you brought this information to this house, uh, uh-huh. but all this man, the only connection this man has to, has to the courier is just that he's a Ketrisi politician. Yep. And this man was Ketrisi. Absolutely. So I think you are trying to shake off the inspector here, or the falconer. But I yes. think you're making some sort of action. Yeah, is it sway? I think it's Sway, yeah. And I think it's it's still risky because this guy is pretty sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's uh, 
Whiskey, but I think it's standard. Like, he doesn't have a lot of information to go on, right? He basically is just here because one of your kinsmen were murdered and now there's a skirmish over here and he's trying to connect the dots. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds good. So, yeah. Risky standard to try to throw off the Falconer's trail. Mm-hmm. In fact, um, hmm. for great effect, could I get like Alcadir and Katam like deeply indebted to me? Yes. Mm. Perfect. Let me think about we how can I can do this thing. Yeah, I would like to trade position for effect then. So I'm just thinking about how I can make it desperate. Oh, I think the easy way to make it desperate is to drop uh, information about uh, about Alcadir and about yourself. You know, not mm-hmm. not anything related to these papers or the case or so on, but just to mention more lead that uh, Captain Peregrine could work off, right? You know, like, oh, his, his relative this and that. I think that's fitting in this context. Yeah. Just, you know, so feed it... him more info. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, sir, here he is uh, one of some, uh, a real man of the people, a real up and coming person. He does this and that, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And we have been working as his bodyguards and so on, and he paces very, very well, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yep. Thunder. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Desperate great. And Alcadar will be in your debt if you succeed here. Very good. And I'm going to, I'm going to be up to my neck in waistcoats. Uh-huh, yes. <laughs> uh, excellent. And, uh, hmm. I... Yeah. I was going to ask for Devilsbergen. Yeah, I was, go- I was about to suggest one, but then I changed my mind. But let me see if I can think of a new one. Okay. Um, I, have a, <laughs> I have a kind of a logical Devil's Bargain. Uh, pe- we learned that Peregrine has already like, put moss on his uh, list of people I need to keep track of. Uh, you know, just vaguely. I think mm-hmm. your Devil's Bargain here is that he will, uh, he will start monitoring you because you seem like a well-connected individual, which is relevant for his job. And so, mm-hmm. consequently, your devil's bargain is you get to add him as a second, uh, not precisely a rival, but I think mark him down as a rival in the sense that he is, he will keep track of you. Absolutely. So, so like a very soft rival, if that makes sense. Very good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Moss, would you like to assist in this? I'm thinking of a way to. Um... <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know what I can say that will will just in will increase the the likelihood of success here. Hmm. Okay, uh, I can yep. roll as it is. No, 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 no wait. Thanks. Okay. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, What's I don't know. Idea? Like, do you want to like throw? Something? I want. I'm saying I want. I want to, but I don't. I'm. Yeah. Too... Yeah. yeah. Maybe could you, could you add something about like, so of course you used to wander around and you've established that you no longer do, wink, wink. But like, mm-hmm. could you suggest something that may have like waylaid the career instead? Yeah, that makes sense. You, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I don't, Moss, actually, this is an interesting moment to establish something about your character. Did you come to Udwasha through the desert? Like most people nowadays take the train, but there are still caravans that do the old-fashioned travel with a whisper warding of ghosts and everything. Did you travel with one of those? Oh, yeah. I, I definitely walked. Yeah. And I, I think also that in that case, I know what to say. Exactly, yeah. You know, you can yeah. sort of describe a hypothesis for him of what might have happened as someone has experienced. So I think that makes sense. 
Well, I don't, I don't know. I, I think what she says is just like, I don't know where this happened, but if it was, uh, if it was near one of the old outposts where they have the, where they used to have electroplasmic machines that are on the way between, then they might have run into the 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 ghost catches, the big floating jellies, you know. Ah, yes. We, we ran into a lot of them. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, yeah, spooky ghost desert details to yes. both unsettle him and throw off his trail. Yeah, that's a very valid assist. All right, so desperate, mm-hmm. great, two bonus dice. And Peregrine is now interested in... Like, he was a little bit interested in Moss, now he's going to be more interested in Bidrohi. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, hmm. Would you say that I make an intimate connection with Al-Qadir and Khatam? Yes. I think I've been sufficiently impressive throughout. Uh-huh. Okay. Yes, all right. One more so bonus then, dice. <laughs> so then you have one more bonus dice from your special ability to make an intimate connection. All right, fair. This can only work. Yeah, let's see. Oh, yeah. Five, four, five, five, four. Yes. <laughs> okay. So uh, two things are going to happen here. One, Alcadar is now, you can mark him as a second favorite contact. He now really likes your crew. You got him out of a ton of trouble. And he will indeed throw some sort of like funeral feast for this dead kinsman. Oh no, what a terrible tragedy has befallen us. And he trusts you. So Alcadar trusts you totally. And you have thrown off the Falconer's trail for now, at least given him nothing of substance. Uh, but there is a uh, a desperate consequence here. And uh, I think that the straightforward desperate consequence, unless resisted, is a ton of heat. Because he has gotten no answers here. Uh, he has kind of figured out that this is not that important. And so Peregrine is just basically going to withdraw any sort of protection or any negotiation he was going on and just be like, yeah, it was a fucking gang war. Mm. Uh, so you take four extra heat unless this oh, is resisted. Wow. Oh, yes, I would like to resist this. Yeah, you made it desperate. <laughs> so I'm saying four heat feels like an appropriate amount because there was a yeah, ton of violence, stabbings in the streets and etc. And we'll get to that in the heat stage. But I also think just having a falconer personally pay you a visit and then be annoyed and conclude that this was nothing but a petty gang war. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think also, so the way I'm going to resist it is that mm-hmm. I'm going to keep prattling on. Mm-hmm. And also, like when they come, it's just like this, 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 this Omid fellow, like, and and like two other people, right? They just come over here and then they try to fuck things up, and you know that's also very stupid, right? Yeah. Okay. So you try to come to the lair and then you try to fuck things up and you try to kidnap this up and coming men of the people of the Kethrisi people, but you don't even come in force. You just bring like three people, and we all know yep. that this Omid person only came because he's in love with Sherekatham. And like, mm-hmm. have you seen Sherekatham? Yep. Would you? So basically, yeah. I'm trying to downplay the number of people who were even even. Yeah, <laughs> makes sense. And also like entertain uh, the Falconer yes. a little bit. Yep. Well, I'm all glad right. he's entertained. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, I think this uh, resisting here will Yikes. change the nature of this consequence. But you roll the two, so you take a ton of stress. Yes, I I trauma out. Uh huh. Oh, already. Okay. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So rather than give you heat, I'm going to start a clock, and uh, I'm going to make it fairly long, uh, like six rather than uh, eight. Mm-hmm. 
and it will be called Peregrine's Investigations. And he's going to look into, like, start looking into you. He has concluded that you're interesting, but for now you don't take any extra heat. Mm-hmm. So you just okay. have this guy's uh, attention. Maybe you can turn the situation around somehow. He doesn't dislike you or anything, but yeah, there you are. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Uh, I have picked Reckless as my trauma. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and uh, yeah, speaking of trauming out, I guess in this case, your trauming out is not something necessarily dramatic, right? You just prattle on and talk to this guy for a really long time. And like, you know, Moss is free to leave and so on. Uh, but let's cut to Saida on the subject of trauming out. Yeah. Hi, what's up? So, uh, you find yourself... Uh, and I guess this is just a consequence of your earlier Devil's Bargain, like interactions mm-hmm. with the, the demons and so on. You find yeah. yourself in the ghost field. Mm. You have been whisked away sideways mm. into some other realm. Mm. And uh, there, are, uh, there are streets strange by moonlight in Uduasha. Yes. For sure. Mm. So uh, you find yourself uh, on a rooftop in an Uduasha that doesn't look quite right under... Mm. Some very strange and alien stars, and with the whisper of the wind at a distance. And Samum, you normally haven't been able to communicate very clearly with this entity because it's a yeah. dust devil. Correct. But in the ghost field, this uh, this changes a little bit. Mm. And so, again, the ghost field is a place of metaphor and yeah, absolutely, and symbolism, right? So yeah. there is this sand sweeping about you, but there's also an individual of indeterminable gender sitting before you, mm. and they are swathed from head to toe in cloth, like mm. looking pretty much like a desert nomad might in the middle of a sandstorm, or you want to protect every inch of you. Correct, yeah. That makes and sense. this is how Samum appears in here, sitting cross-legged opposite you, mm. and uh, you find in this moment that you are playing a game, and I forget the name of this game, but it's a game where you have like a bunch of uh, holes in the stone, and then you move little beads between them, and you try to space them out. Is it Mancala? Yes, yes, I think that is the game. Yeah, yeah that's the one. Yeah, uh, this is where you find yourself suddenly whisked away by this entity into this realm of symbolism. So he puts down his stones, or they put down their stones, mm. and then looks up and uh, says. I protected you. Hmm. And I think I say, um, I have not needed protection for a very long time. Who are you to offer me this? You were spinning. I saw your rotations, the whirling of the sash. You do not understand the true art of whirling. You do not understand the secrets in the desert wind. You are inelegant, they say. Oh, they make like a really cool move in the, in the game. Oh, you can go fuck yourself. Okay, yeah. Mm. <laughs> uh, I'm, yeah, no. Um, mm, mm, mm. I think Saida will look at that move um, mm-hmm. and then look back up and say, um, what do you know of elegance? You think of wind and 
speed, a thing of no body, a thing of no substance. Yes, I'm sure you're very elegant when you do nothing but obey your own nature. You have no constraint, no duty, no obligation. I am elegant in all these things. What do I understand? Motion. Only motion. They say, and they look into your eyes. Yeah, and I think um, I think um, Saida looks back down at the board and deliberately like makes uh-huh. a a move that seems inefficient, a move that seems like like uh-huh. definitely there there was a better one, right? Um, yeah, and then looks back up and says, um, "Yes, as if elegance is to be found only in the dance." And not in the space between steps. They s- simply say, "You disappoint me," and then looks down. And there's generally like sadness in yeah, their voice. Yeah, yeah. And I think now, yeah. um, what what Saida will will do is, um, like, just rub uh, rub their hands together and say, um, "Grace is not found in." the epitome of any single action. I have drawn a blade with more elegance. I have spoken words with more elegance. I have murdered with more elegance. None of it has served me. I still find myself in Uduwasha, surrounded by mediocre wielders of the blade, by children who have had no opportunity to be better for their teachers have all been slaughtered. Your disappointment can join the pile of disappointments and regrets that I have carried with me. Then you do not want me to teach you. I think she just says, what teacher declare a student Disappointing. There is a long silence as Samum is genuinely hurt. And uh, then they say, I have great love for you. I can offer you only the dances of the desert, the 267 I know. If you will not take my gift, then you have spurned me. And I think... Yeah. And uh, this... Yeah, this then you have spurned me is uh, said with yeah, I mean, yeah, this is still absolutely. a demon. So this is I, I'm flagging. This is the kind of sort of psychotic stalkery thing to say in this. And moment. I and I think that like uh, the thing about Saida is that um, she knows the threat. She understands it, and there is a part of her that like is definitely even now screaming at her. You stupid! Like just say yes, keep your mouth shut, and this demon won't destroy everything you love, right? Um, and I think there's a part of her that's like, man, I have just been making this kind of compromise over and over because I thought like my home in Kethris would survive and then it just didn't, right? Um, and like those are the two sides that's like, that are like warring inside her. And I think she yeah. just says, um, if you would claim to teach me, 
then you must be worthy of my attention. Show me that. Okay, yeah. I think you're making a move yes, here. Yes, it's, yeah, it's a command. This demon. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh huh. It's desperate because you know, as much as this yeah, is a no, minor no. demonic entity, yeah, yeah, you have sure. lost control yeah. of it. So yeah. it's at um, this point desperate. I think that uh, what I'm actually going to do is I've written that um, I have a voice for song, uh, and I think in this case I'm I'm mm -hmm. marking this because uh, in the play in a place like the ghost field, which is much more abstract. It seems like, like, like being melodic and being poetic would be more useful. Uh, but I also think that it is oh, yeah. something that, like, especially when you're talking to a demon, for example, you know, would be like uh, would be quite important, right? Okay, so you have uh, mm -hmm. your default here is desperate standard. Uh, marking this can improve either your position or effect. And mm -hmm. what your standard effect will be here is that you will stave off this demon problem for a while and it you know if you convince mm. it that it must prove itself then it will and you will have it as an asset on the next score as well i think uh what i want actually is uh i want a effect for sure um because why would i want this uh -huh. to be anything but desperate and i think mm -hmm. that uh yeah i'll push myself here for a die because i need the die i am at zero dice in command mm -hmm. um but I also yeah. think, like as as I say this, um, I'm I'm sitting and I'm looking at this board, uh, and you see that like the clothes I am wearing, even like my form up here to like change and shift, right? Like I, it's not necessarily that like I think I was f at first dressed in the combat uniform that I was wearing uh, when we were fighting, and then as I make this demand, actually I think she begins to look more like what she looked like when she first learned the blade, learned the sash, right? And uh -huh. um, that's kind of reflecting that, like, she's not necessarily against it, but she's against being taught by somebody who doesn't respect her. Um, and in many ways that, like, the less that she knows, the more the teacher should respect her. Because if I'm very competent, I'll figure it out. But if I, as you claim, know nothing, then you yeah. better, like, take care yeah. of me, right? Um, yeah. All right. So desperate great it is. And what do you want for your great effect? I think for my great effect, I want to bind this demon. Uh, and I think specifically, actually, maybe what I should specify this is I want to bind this demon to my fine edged sash. Um, okay. And cool. So with great effect, yeah. uh, this, if you succeed here, this will not tick that clock. But it'll start it, and instead of being the normal 12 clock it would be, it will be an 8 clock if you succeed here. I think you're seizing the opportunity. So Yeah, yeah, I think that's what's happening. If you succeed with great effect, it becomes wildly easier than yeah, it normally yeah, should be. that makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, so I, it's, it's one die in command. Um, and mm -hmm. I think, like, just as an aside... May I point you towards this ability in the Duelist playbook? No, no, I was thinking of exactly this ability. Yeah, yeah. Ghost Blade. Um, okay. I, it might be more called Demon Blade, but yes. Uh, yes, uh -huh. yes. Yeah, so you're aiming to trap a, a demon in your weapon, and I mean, what better than a whirling dust devil demon in a fighting exactly. sash, right? Yeah, this is some, yeah. This is some dancing dervish 100%, stuff. 100%, so. yeah. Um, and I think, uh -huh. like, one of the things that I just wanted to uh, put as a, say as an aside, because it struck me while I was saying it, is that, um, 
I think it is like generally true that like it is a really it, it's bad form for the teacher to tell the student you're disappointing kind of ever but definitely even before the teaching has started and b I actually like uh-huh. I think Saida's very right in being like oh man I feel like this 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 person would be a crap teacher if this is the this is the attitude they have right which is true because uh-huh. this is less a teacher and more a psychotic stalker so you know yes <laughs> i mean it's it's a force of nature that has fallen in love with you and attempting to teach you to also be a force yes. of nature yeah. so you're you're very much in not very sane territory here okay here's a question uh sorry yeah before anything else i have four playbook xp right now I from my desperate roles previous session I have 2 XP in resolve. If I use that 4 mm-hmm. XP right now to fill the resolve track, can I get a dot in command? Oh yeah, I will not hold that I, against you. Sure, feel free to Yeah, I feel like moment. it would just be it's, so much more useful to have another die. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's dramatically interesting yeah. if you want to spend XP I in this I moment. I don't yeah, mind. I Go I ahead. Um uh-huh. I, yeah, it, it's like crystallizing some of the the thinking of the last session and like all the yeah. stuff so i'll have two dice instead of one mm-hmm. uh desperate yep great one bonus die do you want a devil's bargain instead or are you happy with the push i i'd like to hear a devil's bargain uh-huh yeah so um the uh, the devil's bargain i have for you in uh, in this case is i think this whole this whole thing seems like it pretty much sidetracks you from what you're actually mm, trying to yeah. do which is yeah uh working on your on, on the idol of the uh, your deity yep. project yep. yes so i think the uh the devil's bargain here and you will have to take this down in mm. notes is that you can't work on your uh, uh on your actual projects until on. you finish yeah. this one um yeah I, because i think that makes sense with your magical yeah. names but you may not want to take it yeah i think that makes sense but like I, i don't think i'll take it and i think another reason that i won't is that to be honest when you have many long term projects you tend to one tends to be only done after the other anyway um uh-huh. but yeah i think no it she saida's never going to even subconsciously let that happen right um yep. like they would not okay. prefer to so you're pushing yourself instead it says something about your character yeah, exactly. again yeah. like you're not you won't let yourself be distracted yeah mm-hmm. yeah desperate great one bonus die oh my god and you fail yeah interesting so uh, you say this to Samum and your project does not start unfortunately yep. you can you can start it at a later time but then it will be a normal thing yeah. but Samum sighs and says there is nothing i can tell you but i can show you mm. and then you are taken back from the ghost field mm. and here is how this is going to work okay. uh, mark mark a new item on your sheet mm-hmm. that costs 2 load mm-hmm. Again you can resist this and lessen it but if you don't resist it you have a new item on your on your sheet called two load mm-hmm. which is called desert dances uh-huh. and Samum it's not that you're carrying anything that is heavy yeah. it is just that Samum now is sort of partly possessing you with dance mm. and this makes it harder for you to bring items mm. Mm. listen Because... she has no problem with things that should not carry weight uh-huh. exactly weight. exactly uh, because you will be You've already flavored your yes. your load item. You're old and weak and can't carry a lot, yeah. and you can carry a lot less even when you're constantly distracted by dance. Yeah. So I think I'm this is great. It's not as, as an item. Yeah, I think I will not resist this. 
um, also because I really hate this demon now, and by God, am I going to humble it. Um, yes, and uh, now you're carrying the demon around with you everywhere, and it costs two loads. Excellent, so. yes. So really, you I'm just going to mark it. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be like that yeah. to load forever unless I do something about it. Great, fantastic. Yep, Yeah. yep. You will have to remove it with the project, but Samoom is now just clinging to you and dragging you down and will force you to dance at inopportune moments. Yeah, and to be honest, now actually my load is full, which is very funny. Um, yes. Great. This does mean, by the way, that like I always have to be in normal load if I ever want my stash with me, which is incredible. Yes. Excellent. Good, good. Fantastic. Yep. So you can do some sort of project to get rid of this. Maybe it's the same project as Taming Samoom. Maybe not. Yeah, but we'll see. Here we are. Yeah. I think in mm -hmm. that case, like as I'm like um, as I return, and like it's the same thing, right? Like where like this this storm briefly picks up, and where I like I I reappear from where I disappeared. I look around and I notice that there isn't like all of the hullabaloo is gone, and I curse because. Um, I've missed like probably whatever has happened and that's not great. Um, and I'm going to go inside the school because it seems like there is nobody on the outside. Uh, but if I notice that there is like a falconer or something going on, my first instinct is to rush in and be like, you morons, what are you doing? Stop talking. And I'm going to uh -huh. remember that, of course, yeah. I just said that is not what you're supposed to do. So I'm going to keep my mouth shut. And I'm going to, like, in fact, just uh -huh. stay outside, let the kids take care of it. Um, someone's probably yeah. dropped, like, a box of cigarettes on the ground. I will idly toy with one while reminding uh -huh. myself that smoking is also bad. Excellent. So what I think we're rounding off yeah. the score here. What's happening is that Captain Peregrine is going to have a chat with Bidruhi and Moss. He will go on for a really mm. long time, and then mm. he will leave. And as for Sherika Tam and Zahir, I think basically the Fursan will, you know, it's not like you can just openly stab people in Uduasha, but at the same time, they're not going to arrest you on the spot. This is kind of a... Because that's, you know, they're not officially the police, right? They're more sort of peacekeepers of the city. And, you know, disputes between various groups in the city do happen. Sometimes they come to blows. They're going to tell you to, like, put down your weapons, go back inside. We will deal with this. Mm. Um so, you know, again, Udwasha doesn't have... If this were Doskwal, they would totally just throw you in, in jail right on the spot, right? For openly having a gang war. But the Udwashan police force is a little bit weaker. So they they will try to settle this dispute as best they can. But, you know, you are definitely on someone's shit list for, mm. for this. And it would be so much worse if you had killed him. But seeing as you haven't, they're chalking it down to like, there was a fight, we broke up the fight, we did our job, mm. you know? All right, yeah. So there's an interesting dynamic where they are much more powerful than the Blueguards in the sense that they are a literal army. So they have, like, all that shit. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, they have, like... So I think it's less about them not having the power and more like, well, why would they? Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, again, in Uduasha, they exist to keep the peace between different factions, right? They are literally the yeah. neutral party between the noble houses. And so... When two sides fight, they don't just arrest everyone involved because then they would have to arrest half of Uduasha. So yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Their neutrality is kind of what keeps them from just throwing everyone in jail, so to speak. So they're more powerful, but they also are supposed to be neutral in these sort of conflicts. Yeah. Uh, so they will sense. investigate it, and then they will administer punishments down the line. Excellent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, like, and so I think that wraps up the score. Uh, there are still a lot of question marks for you, obviously, but 
Yeah. Yeah, but we got to keep the document, right? Yeah. So okay. I would personally value the opportunity to talk to Akadra Katam about this yes. afterwards. Yes, and also your prisoner. Yes. Because <laughs> yes. you have one of Omid's yeah. guys. Yeah. So yes. Once everyone's gone, I'm going to pull the curtain back with a flourish. Here close the doors to the house of endings. Those who dwell within are Sohem, called Klo, Adiat, called Soap, Samitri, called Tree, and Emma. I have been Prince, your host. Our city of Uduasha is based on Blades in the Dark by John Harper and Evil Hat Productions, with special thanks to Johnstone Metzger. Follow us on Twitter or support us on ko-fi.com slash desperateattune. If you want to engage further with us, we also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash desperateattune, where you will get our newsletter, extra content, and updates from Uduasha. And it galls me to admit it, but the man who ended up completely humiliating me is now an Ustad of the Falling Star School. You know, you know Jay Clef? No, I can't say I've heard of him. Well, he is uh, very dangerous with a straight sword, very dangerous with a curved sword, very dangerous with a pair of swords. And my sash work was never really good enough for him, which is uh, unfortunate. Now, the reason I bring this up is that if I try and tell Bidrohi about this, he'll tell me that I should fuck him. And yeah, I don't have time for that. He does tend to do that, yes. Yes. Uh, rather, what is very important is that if we try and bring the school up again, Jclev will... He will hear that I am involved and he will get involved. And I do not think that any of you are good enough to face him. I think I am not good enough to face him. And it will be very embarrassing if one old man turns up and thrashes all of us. You see what I mean? Mm. But what if, what if we were all to face him together? Yes, he was. He is good enough that he would still beat us, even if we were all facing him at once. That is what I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. And uh, okay, how do you propose we solve this problem? Uh, no, I, I suppose like I don't know if he's digging a kind of a big pit with spikes at the bottom and then covering up with a mat, like, and then he walks up. Is that out of the question? 